to New York City, trauma code to WBAI. I am Dr. Simon Fitzgerald, a Brooklyn trauma surgeon and surgical intensivist. And I am Dr. Cassandra Raphael, an adult and child psychiatrist. Welcome to Trauma Code. Together we will focus on healing of mind, body, and community from trauma. We'll discuss how wellness fits into the culture at large. Join us on Monday at 2 p.m. on WBAI. In the hood, living in a fishbowl. Gentrify here, now it's not a shot of hole. Trendsetter, I know my shit cold. And set up it because I ain't so well with it. All you black folks, you must go. All of you Mexicans, you must go. And all of you poor folks, you must go. Muslims and gays. Boy, we hate your ways. Uh, all you bad folks, you must go. Uh, the fog and the smog of the media, the logs, false narratives of guys that came up against the odds. We're not just, We're not just rappers with the bars. It's kids with that big conflict with the stars. You bastards overlooking street art, better get street smart, but you keep us on the charts. Some of you make your numbers and your statisticians. You know about you. It's like the talking about Hello and welcome to Trauma Code. I am Dr. Simon Fitzgerald, as you heard, a Brooklyn trauma surgeon and surgical intensivist. And I'm very excited to be here. And I wanted to welcome to the radio for the first time my co-host, the lovely Dr. Cassandra Raphael. Hi, How- good afternoon, everybody. Dr. Raphael here. Uh- How are you doing today? Doing pretty good. Thank you. So since this is the first time on the air in WBAI in New York City, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Who are you, Dr. Raphael? Uh, Well, fun fact, actually. I'll start off with that. It actually isn't my first time on the radio. I'm not sure if you knew that. Um, Back in the day, my father used to fill in occasionally for a Haitian broadcast on Sundays. And the one time that I remember going with him to fill in, it was actually with the psychiatrist, and we were talking about school avoidance at the beginning of the school year. And so now I'm back, and I'm the psychiatrist. In 2022, in, 2022. in the era of, the, of COVID. Very exciting. Very so tell exciting. us ab- about your work uh, working with uh, child and adolescents as well as adults, correct? Yes, yes. I mean, I'll, I'll dial it back just a little bit. So I'm a woman, a uh, black woman, a wife, a mom, a medical doctor, as I just said, a psychiatrist, a child psychiatrist. And um, I also have experience working in the classroom as a high school educator before becoming a uh, physician. Most recently, my education has been mental health related, my education work. Um, I designed a mental health curriculum for high school students called The Facts on Feelings with uh, a brilliant art therapist and illustrator, Javier Irie, who uh, illustrated our our logo. Our logo, that's right. Part of his work that you can see on uh, the internet, WBAI.org, if you listen to this there. That's right. That's right. Um, overall, I like to think I'm surrounded by well-intentioned and smart people who want to share that with the world. And many of these people are my patients in psychiatry, so shout out to them. Any of them who might have just turned on the radio and recognized my name or my voice. Um, anyway, I'm hopeful and excited for the discussions to come with friends and acquaintances who are calling the trauma code, sharing their insights. Correct. And, and of course, I'm a, a trauma surgeon here in uh, Brooklyn, as well as... Uh, a an ambassador of the uh, Baltimore ceasefire movement, a movement to uh, end violence and celebrate life, particularly in Baltimore, 
uh, city where I'm from, but uh, in general. And I continue that work here in Brooklyn with the Kings Against Violence, Violence Initiative, Kavi, um, who hope to have some of their founders like Rob Gore on the show in the future. Uh, and that's what we want, you know, Trauma Code uh, to be about. Uh, we have all lived through a series of rolling traumas, you know, particularly since about 2020. Um, but that's become a defining feature of our lives. So we want to work through how, <clears throat> excuse me, how to digest that um, and how to heal from that and how to engage uh, in, in, in that world. Um, so that explains maybe a little bit about what trauma code um, is to me. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, in my shop, since I'm a trauma surgeon, when a trauma code, uh, code is called anytime, day or night, uh, if I'm there, I come running uh, to someone who maybe is stabbed, shot, uh, hit by a car, you know, e-scooter crash, fall from a scaffolding, fall from a ladder, um, any kind of trauma like that, and very quickly intervene with the potential to really alter the trajectory of somebody's life, mm-hmm. figure out what's going on, and, you know, cut them up and sew them back together if possible. Um, so that is kind of the power in this name that I'm trying to bring uh, to the radio with Trauma Code. But Dr. Raphael, you engage with trauma uh, just as importantly but very differently. So what does that mean to you? What does trauma mean to you and what do you think you can bring to Trauma Code? Uh, well, I think one thing that the, wor- the way that I work uh, I guess against trauma or with folks who have experienced some trauma that is not unlike the work that you do, Dr. Fitzgerald, is um, Sometimes it can be reciprocal trauma or it's, you know, perpetuated by its victims. And, and so that comes up for me a lot in my work. Uh, but in my work with patients, it's often unintentional or the trauma kind of still lives in their subconscious, we can say. Uh, they're not, but they're, but they're kind of navigating the world with some unresolved conflicts, unaware of how, you know, whatever they're carrying with them is kind of impacting their lives or unaware how to change it. So... For me, the code is usually called when someone is fed up with the way the world is treating them or if they become unsafe in some way or uh, someone else intervenes to get them help. But the work of trauma recovery is long in mental health. It's not, you know, as fast as, you know, surgery's not always fast. But, <laughs> but it's not It's not as, it, it, it's a long-term project. It's a very long-term project. And of course, you've been um, training and practicing uh, with children and adolescents in the era of COVID, of massive disruption, of a lot of the things that I think, you know, not to age myself uh, or you, Dr. Raphael, um, but that we maybe took for granted. Um, what, uh, can you speak on that? What have you seen that, uh, the impact of this COVID era has been on young people? Um, well, th- there have been significant impact on young people. I mean, you know, even in, in probably the most obvious way, well, anyway, maybe the most obvious way for me, aside from, you know, a lot of people getting unwell, the loss of a lot of life, which has been very traumatic, but also for for young people, you know, socializing is kind of like their job. That's their developmental stage. This is how they learn to navigate the world. And a lot of that was just kind of, cut off very abruptly all of a sudden you know today you're not going to school anymore um and for kids who really found some kind of say i mean joy or even solace in their sport or their band or you know such activities it was just kind of taken away from them and and how they coped became very very important but for somebody who kind of thought that the band 
or the sport was their coping skill and they're kind of thrown in the mix with, you know, feeling somewhat defenseless. Um, so there has been, you know, as a result of that, a lot of missed opportunities, a lot of, you know, canceled proms, a lot of, you know, th things like that, things that are very, very important to young people. Um, and, and, you know, what happens when you skip certain developmental steps? You just, you get stunted, kind of feel a little bit lost, right? So, so that's been, that's been the case. There's been a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression and, and interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm a physician who I've, I've always, even in my public health work before becoming a, a medical doctor, I've always been very interested in health disparities. And so COVID has brought about a significant health disparity, particularly for young black people who the rates of uh, anxiety and depression have, you know, impacted even more so than ever kind of like known before or seen before. And um, very unfortunately, very, very unfortunately, the rates of suicide have gone up or suicide attempts. The ED, the easy ED visits, I should say, emergency department visits for, for this group of young people has been, you know, exponentially increasing. So um, that's a pretty big impact for them. And uh, again, this is uh, Dr. Simon Fitzgerald with Dr. Cassandra Raphael on our premiere episode of Trauma Code on WBAI in New York City and talking about what does Trauma Code uh, mean to us what has been the experience of uh, trauma, particularly uh, since the start of the pandemic. And and um, I think uh, I, along with a lot of the people that I've worked with, uh, you know, experienced that trauma and perhaps even were traumatized in ways that many of us haven't even really spoken about, um, certainly not publicly. Um, but, you know, I, I have uh, really vivid memories of uh, in the spring of 2020, where there were so many people just struggling to breathe because of the COVID virus, intubated uh, on breathing machines. So many that were running out of breathing machines, were running out of space in the emergency room to put them. And then I distinctly remember a mass shooting in the middle of this and a stabbing at the same time and just not having anywhere to put the trauma patients because the normal area we take care of trauma and critical care patients was filled with intubated COVID patients and actually taking them to the pediatric area because at that time COVID hadn't quite hit the kids yet. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. so that was the only place to put, you know, people in their twenties with shooting, stabbings, trying to figure out who needs to go to the operating room. And I even remember around that time, um, you know, we were also running the ICU and, you know, needing to put someone on dialysis, I think it was, or needing to, Something went wrong. Want, needing to run a blood test, uh, and just not having anywhere in the hospital, almost anywhere in the city, what we needed without calling reinforcements, calling you know the CEO of the corporation to find. Um, and I just remember that moment of crisis, realizing or feeling that you know the world I knew was gone. There was a new world of scarcity that we were entering, um, and it was very unclear at that time. So. Um, Again, talking about what trauma code means, like a trauma code and a crisis on top of crisis. Um, uh, but, you know, at the same time, that's where some of the strongest bonds are born in the trenches, you know, people that, that you have to confront challenges with. That's how you get to really know people. So, um, For sure. I mean, um, you, you, what you're describing in the experience of COVID, even, you know, as for you, somebody who was treating folks uh, with COVID, um, there, there's a, a collective trauma here, right? And so, and so most people, if not all people by this point, have been subject to some level of trauma. And, and I just want to, you know, take an opportunity to say it's not 
relative to another person's experience. It's one's own. It's how you, you know, your internal experience, the way that it influences how you think and how you interact with other people, how you move in the world. So for me, the trauma code is, is really how we treat each other in light of that and how we can use culture and music and books and community to really build together. And and we talked about that's what the there's a double entendre right of the trauma code of what the code is, um, in in our uh, meaning of it, um, and what you're talking about is sort of a code to to unlock to heal um, from trauma. And I also think of the way that um, you know there's a NPR radio show called Code Switch, um, and that concept is speaking different languages with different audiences and being able to navigate that space. And I think that's also what we're doing here is switching to a different uh, voice, a different medium on how to engage with trauma, um, different from the emergency room, the ICU, the operating room, uh, or, you know, the, the, the clinic or in other clinical environments. Yeah. And so I guess that's, that's a lot of the, the cultural piece, right? So definitely as a mental health provider, I can say that many people experience mental health struggles. Uh, not everybody needs a therapist or a psychiatrist necessarily, although talking is always pretty good. So, um, but what do we have, you know, when we have just ourselves and just our devices, you know, um, music, culture, art, books, you know, that, that sustains us, that kind of at least changes our mindset a little bit, like gives us an opportunity to embrace somebody else's narrative. Um, and, and definitely as a mental health provider, I can say that's all very, very helpful. So I recommend it. And we'll have some so, recommendations as we go along, right? For sure. And and as we talk about the therapeutic value of music, we definitely want to incorporate um, that into our show. Uh, so And now's a good time as any. Do we have uh, anything else we can queue up and, and run for the people? Remember that you, you always answer my call. 
Radio 2 uh, featuring Jill Scott and I remember we saw them perform actually I only I heard this song one time it was live and I immediately had to to download it but when we saw it it was Robert Glasper and Jill Scott and then Bilal came out on stage that was at the Apollo right for sure excellent yes, show at the Apollo an excellent show Robert Glasper always tends to put on a, a really great show he has a residency going on right now at the Blue Note actually that I'm Still hoping to score some tickets, Mr. Glasper, if you're listening in New York. And I, I neglected to mention it, but the first song that we opened the show with was uh, We the People by Tribe Called Quest uh, in, I was that, 2016 album. Um, thank you for your service. We'll take it from here. Um, so that's, you know, you're starting to get a taste of what to expect on the trauma code. And uh, despite what Jill Scott has told you, we will not be taking any calls today. <laughs> Maybe sometime in the future, but... Um, for now, uh, we're going to just stick between Dr. Raphael and myself. Yeah, right now the calls are at work. <laughs> uh, but one of the things that uh, we sort of touched on uh, is that there's this therapeutic value of the cultural piece, right? The artist, the author, and I think as well as uh, the activists and, and other people that are paying attention to what's going on and trying to heal the world. And so I think that's also what you're going to see in, in our guests um, uh, in the future, we're going to have uh, people on the air uh, interviewing them from different kind of specialties and experiences. And I can tell you some of them that are coming up on next week there uh, on Monday at 2 p.m. We're going to have Marty McNair from the Jordan McNair Foundation. Uh, his son died from exertional heat stroke uh, when he was a football player at the University of Maryland. Uh, really a preventable death. And so we're going to talk about preventing injury and death to uh, young athletes Um God, yeah. young people's sports is just like ripe for conversation. There's so much to say about it, especially also from, from the, uh, you know, in terms of brain health and TBI, and I guess that's sports in general, not just youth, but but especially for youth who have their whole lives ahead of them, and there's a lot to say there. So, um, go ahead, son. Well, and and I'll, uh, we can talk about some more of the, of the guests uh, as well, and and I think that the following uh, week uh, we're gonna have on. Uh, Darna Noor, who's a, 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 a climate reporter, actually has a job now at the Boston Globe covering uh, the climate. And I think the climate crisis, and, and uh, Dr. Raphael can confirm this, causes such anxiety in, in myself and a lot of other people. I think it's very important to... Are you willing to call yourself out on that one? Yes, <laughs> yes I would I have, I have a bad case of climate anxiety. <laughs> and I, too, I, you know, I, I am concerned. Uh, Dr. Fitzgerald is very, very, very concerned. And as am I, and, 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 and as we should all be really... Um, you know, we have to leave something behind for the young folks. Indeed. And, and in part of all of these conversations, 
Um, and, and, and probably the following week is most likely going to be Juan Carlos Pinto of the Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn Recycle Project, uh, who uses, uh, recycled materials, uh, for example, discarded. He has probably a million discarded Metro cards, um, that he does portraits, uh, with, uh, you know, uh, discarded tile and, and mirrors and glass doing murals that are all over Flatbush and probably you've seen them if you're in Brooklyn uh, or in, in uh, Harlem there's one near the uh, Columbia uh, School of Public Health um, and uh, Pete was the it's not the Dittmas Park stop Yes, and he's done uh, several in, in Dittmas Park as well. I think at the the church stop and at the uh, Newkirk Plaza New stop. Newkirk Plaza, that's he's right. Done. He has a beautiful mural there and a, and a little tunnel. It's really beautiful. But in, in all of these guests, what we've talked about, Dr. Raphael, is as uh, you've suggested, um, you know, a mental health break will be kind of part of what we do on a regular basis. Do you want to describe what that means to you and how that fits into the trauma code? Well, it could, it could go a few different ways, right? So I have, you know, good friends in mental health, not all psychiatrists, some psychologists, some art therapists, um, mental health social workers um, who, who have very interesting uh, and different differing perspectives on, on how to sustain mental health and on mental wellness and how to dismantle stigma surrounding mental health, something that we, you know, it, it's actively happening. There's a lot of that going on. There's a lot more to do. It's a big project. Um so there, you know, some of it will be discussions. If you guys, if you guys like my voice and you want a guided meditation, we can do that. Um, She's an excellent singer. I, at some point, <laughs> we have to have her sing on air, but that's neither here nor there. Just <laughs> <kidding>. um, <laughs> yeah. So th- that's a little bit what I ha- what I have in mind for the mental health break. Getting different perspectives, hearing from you, the audience. Of course, I guess we never gave the disclaimer that this is not medical advice, but uh, here's as good as time as any. No, certainly not. We're just uh, having a good time here. Hope you're having a good time. Um, uh, but we're going to be talking about some serious topics, and a lot of my work has to do with uh, community work with violence prevention, um, working you know, with survivors and families outside the hospital in the communities and streets and neighborhoods where violence happens. Um, and so some of those uh, violence prevention specialists and peacemakers, uh, such as Erica Bridgeford, a founder of the Baltimore Ceasefire Movement, mm-hmm. as well as uh, Rob Gore, who's uh, a, what was he, a CNN Hero of the Year nominee, mm-hmm. probably in 2019 before the pandemic, for his work to, uh, against violence with young people in the schools in Brooklyn and with the Kings Against Violence Initiative. Uh, and as well as, you know, people between here in Baltimore as a group in Philadelphia uh, gun violence uh, reporting project, I think it is called, um, that have uh, committed to coming on air. So um, we have a lot of really interesting things. And I think if anyone out there has uh, recommendations or thoughts, uh, you can definitely reach out to us. I think you can do it through the website. But also, uh, I think we're on Twitter now at uh, trauma code WBAI. I think our email is also trauma code WBAI at gmail.com. And if there's something that you want to hear, somebody you think that should be on the show, um, you know, uh, please let us know. Yeah, I agree. I mean, on that on that line, you mentioned a couple of the people that you've worked with in the past or that you're actually currently working with who do a lot of work against, um, you know, violence outside in the street, overt violence, but there's also a lot to be said about structural violence, obviously. And a lot of the work that I've done in, in my public health work, in my in, in education, has to do with, you know, microaggressions and, and various other things that kind of um, stay with us and impact the way that we kind of, you know, 
walk in this world and, and think in this world. So I, I just want to shout out a, a, a good friend and mentor, Dr. Kim Gordon, who has taught me a lot about that. Or in, in working with her, I've learned a lot about that. So hopefully I'll get her on too to, to share some thoughts therein. And as well, uh, I, I want to have authors uh, as well on. Uh, I know Baynard Woods, who wrote an excellent uh, sort of historical autobiography about his family discovering uh, their role in white supremacist violence in South Carolina and coming to terms with that. Uh, it's fascinating work. Uh, D. Watkins have had on. Uh, some people may know I, I used to have a podcast, Knife at the Gunfight. He's an author from Baltimore. I had on uh, once or twice. So looking to invite these people on the air and, and share with you uh, some of this uh, creative work as well. Yeah, definitely. There's. I mean, just you mentioned Baltimore. There's. I'm seeing so much talent from Baltimore kind of pop up. Um, photographers, musicians, poets, I'm seeing a lot of their work come up on like on social media, very excited about it. Um, of course, New York is always full of talent. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I'd love to hear more of what other folks, what experiences other folks have had um, in, in mental health, in, in community, in organizing, and, and shedding some light or um, discussing the mental health perspectives of, of other people's experiences. And we're, of course, going to be paying attention to and uh, reacting, helping you digest the, uh, the news of the day and, and what's going on around us. Um, but, you know, I think it's a good time. Let's take another musical break here. I think we have some good Haitian music for you.
to the radio myself you can count on me for that so one of the things i didn't say initially when i was describing who i am is that i am a haitian american and um that song that was just playing is so so rich and so valuable especially in this moment it is by uh well it's a collab between paul bourbon who i believe is a brooklynite himself he spends a lot of time at flatbush for sure <laughs> yeah i think so and uh and the recently recently departed michael benjamin um, or, or a.k.a. Mika Ben, who uh, recently passed away on October 15th at a concert in Paris. In fact, he passed away on stage, you know, traumatizing enough for anybody present, anybody who've watch- who's watched it. I've watched it. I felt a way about it very, very strongly. Um, and I know that, you know, he's been kind of, he's been, he's been, won a lot of, a lot of Haitian folks' mind. And just, I mean, he was 41 years old. But, um, you know, there's a, a little poetry to it only insofar as though, you know, he he wasn't feeling well. I don't know if we, we didn't all know that, you know, when he was set out to perform, but he, um, he, he did his music. He did so wrapped in the Haitian flag, which he often does. And, and, and very unfortunately and, and tragically, traumatically, he collapsed on stage and, and that was his final act. Um, so and it, and it was during a reunion concert, right, in Paris of a, an important Haitian band, uh, f- almost from like, like a previous generation. Right. Well, I mean, previous. It's my generation. Ten but, years. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yes, he was performing at a Kagami reunion concert. And I remember, I guess my first real intensive Kagami experience was like back in the summer of 2002. I had com- cousins come from Haiti and they brought this record uh, from Kagami. And every day we listened to that record um, and, and, you know, their music was very significant for people in my age group, um, you know, and, and, and our youth, our adolescence. And um, so Mika Ben was performing with this band, Kagami, in Paris. And, you know, you know, a stadium filled with people. It was just a lot of joy, a lot of excitement, a lot of nostalgia. Um, and, and then there was this. But one thing about Mikael Benjamin is, you know, the man wrote some of the most beautiful songs about Haiti that I can remember. Um, it, I guess I should say in my generation. There are many beautiful songs about Haiti who have been, that have been written for, for decades and generations. But I think in my generation, he wrote some of the most beautiful ones and filled with a lot of nostalgia, a lot of nostalgia. Um, he talks about like, you know, trees growing, running, running in gardens, water overflowing, just a beautiful, beautiful place and a beautiful childhood that he remembers in Haiti. And also filled with a lot of hope a lot of hope for what the country can become, a lot of hope for, you know, reuniting, for Haitians kind of standing together and trying to move forward on our own terms. Um, so it's, uh, 
obviously obviously very very sad but De- also devastating for a lot of people frankly i think um and you know you mentioned the importance of the music of of Kaimi and i think the point that you're getting at is how important Mika Ben has been you know uh, i would say our generation right uh, he's he's less than a year older than me um and he's part of a movement right that new yorkers who have been paying attention may have been exposed to right this um bio movement that I'm sure I'm going to mispronounce his name. So you can tell us who are, who are some of the um, performers in this kind of bio movement that have been all over uh, North America and Europe, uh, bringing this contemporary Haitian sound and movement and culture to the world. Right. So I think um, I think this is a little bit the brainchild of Michael Bourne or Michael Bourne, an Amer- a Haitian American DJ. Um, or just actually, he might just be Haitian, but he now, I think he's, he's in the States and he kind of got a lot of his friends together in the Haitian music industry to put on great shows full of energy. Mika Ben was always there. Jay Perry was also among them. Uh, Paul Bourbon, who, like, as you've mentioned, we've seen in the, in the old neighborhood of, of Brooklyn. Um, yes, indeed. During, yeah, during the pandemic, especially in 2020, he was doing backyard conference. Paul Bourbon was, um, Mm -hmm backyard concerts um, that, you know, just dozens of people from the neighborhood would come out and see. It was really a respite from from that, uh, the, the anxiety and tension of that moment. Yeah, definitely. And I think the last time I saw Mikhail Benjamin in person was actually kind of like hanging out at one of these, one of these backyard conferences, you say. Concerts, sorry. Concerts. <laughs> Of Paul Bourbon and and um, you're just kind of hanging out, taking in the vibes. Paul Bourbon definitely also puts on a great show, a lot of good Gaga vibes. Um, yeah, so that's that's a little bit the story of Mika, and that I guess also you know this is a, a young person uh, who passed away very visibly on stage. You know, immediately after doing his, you know, after his calling, basically. Yeah, not only in front of thousands, but on right one of these live uh, streaming kind exactly. of broadcasts around the world. So. Right. Right. People around the world saw it live, and, and a big part of all the rolling series of traumas that the Haitian community and, and diaspora are living through, particularly since the earthquake in 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. This, you know, this is just another one on top. Right, and and just you know, for anybody who you know hears the story or has learned of this story recently, because I've seen it on a lot of news networks, entertainment news networks, American entertainment news networks. People want to people want to want to acknowledge this and want to talk about it. Um, and, and this kind of recalls a lot of the losses that we've kind of endured in, in COVID is that when somebody goes, there's so much that's left behind, right? So in the case of Mikhail Benjamin, there's, you know, his wife and he has two children and his wife was pregnant. You just kind of like put it all together and it's a, uh, it's a lot. It's a lot. But, you know, one of the things that we want to do on Trauma Code, what I learned to do with a Baltimore ceasefire movement is to really celebrate life as we try to, you know, prevent unnecessary, what we call it, morbidity and mortality, people getting hurt or killed, uh, losing their life, but also celebrate life. And I think uh, Mika Ben was really excellent at, at, at celebrating life uh, and that whole bio movement. So I want to recognize that and say any of y'all uh, uh, involved in that movement, performers, definitely you're always welcome. Open invitation. Reach out to us. Love to have you on the air. Love to have you in the studio and, and really celebrate that contemporary Haitian sound, which I have really been blown away with. I, I'm, you know, I'm less uh, excited by compa as perhaps. Uh, <laughs> Watch yourself. Watch yourself. <laughs> but but the, the the sounds that and and what we heard the rara, the horns and the rhythm at the end of 
of Aibobo. Um, Definitely, just yeah, really, yeah, it's always for the people. Really, uh, bring this really contemporary flavor to that to that culture, which is is exciting and 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 continues. And so we want to celebrate that as well. Yeah, so definitely, if if I get to say anything to Mika Ben, it would definitely be thanks for the, thanks for the vibes. You know, so many people uh, streaming your songs. I wish you know I would tell everybody to to stream the Mika Benjamin or the Mika Mika Ben songs. Uh, for those who don't understand what I'm saying, quite it's Michael Benjamin, but you know Mika Benjamin is how he would he would probably want for you to say it. Um, yeah, stream the music. It's, it's beautiful sounds, beautiful rhythms. He's collaborated with so many artists nationally. Uh, internationally and in Haiti I mean just across the river in DR in Jamaica in 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 West Africa he has you know beats with a lot of a lot of collaborations a lot of collaborations is something for everybody in Mika Ben's music and so you know one of the things that we do want to do whenever we're on the air with Trauma Code and that's where you are right now this is Dr. Simon Fitzgerald with Dr. Raphael and we are Trauma Code at 2 p.m. on Mondays on WBAI in New York City and streaming on WBAI Dot org. Um, well, we want to bring you these recommendations, uh, celebrate uh, culture, that, and share it with you. And so that's definitely our joint recommendation for the day is any of Mika Ben's music, um, particularly a couple that we're going to bring you, uh, Aibobo, uh, we played, and I think we'll close out the episode uh, today with one of his um, most sentimental and perhaps one of the most important contemporary Haitian music pieces since the earthquake. I don't know if you'd agree with that. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, it's called Aitisi, which basically means Haiti is. And so he he just enumerates various things about Haiti that make Haiti and Haitian culture so special. Just little, little experiences that we don't kind of appreciate every single day. But that with a little bit, hey, a little bit of mindfulness even, just even, the, you know, the morning rain, um, the smell of the coffee coming up, and, and all of the beautiful things about, about life in Haiti. Um cause, soup jamu, all the good stuff. <laughs> yes, sure, why not? Definitely soup jamu. We love that. We love that. That that season is coming up soon. So, um, you know, that that's one recommendation from us. Um, do you have any others, Dr. Raphael, that you want to share with the audience? Hmm. I did already mention Glasper going on right now. Yeah, so the, that Robert Glasper track, he's playing at uh, the Blue Note this week. So definitely, you know. Actually, this month and actually into next month, too. Into November, that's, yeah, right. that's right. You know, New York City can be expensive, but there, uh, you know, there's often ways uh, to, to get in and see. And then at the capital of the world, the cultural capital of the world, one of the experiences that I've really learned to value since moving here is being able to interact with that culture. Um, and that's oh, what mm-hmm. one of my recommendations, um, you know, uh, I grew I, like I said, I grew up in Baltimore. I think Baltimore is probably an underappreciated theatrical city. Says the Baltimorean. But yes, I, I would agree. I've gotten to know it. I've gotten to know it in the past decade or so. And a lot of people that I grew up with, and I think that the movement in Baltimore is just, uh, especially at the high school level of just probably the generation just before me. Um, there's really an excellent public uh, school for the arts, public high school, mm-hmm. and I, you know, that has um, instilled a discipline of uh, and an appreciation for classical theatrical training from you know young people in the city. And I think you know we saw Jada Pinkett and Tupac Shakur, among many others, who uh, were taught you know at the high school level classical uh, theatrical training, and that I think really impact- impacted their their life's arc, but obviously it's nothing compared to Broadway, right? We have um, some of the greatest actors in the world uh, every night, all night, you know, or all year, 
Actually, that, speaking of that, yeah, I mean, recently I checked out August Wilson's The Piano Lesson um, featuring John David Washington, Samuel L. Jackson, Danielle Brooks, and it was just a complete hit. I mean, anything, you know, with August Wilson and, and in his century cycle where he kind of, I guess he, uh, for every decade of the 1900s, he, he has a play that kind of is a sign of the times. Um, set in Pittsburgh. Some people call it Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh right. cycle. Right, right. Thank you for, for bringing that up. It's, it's very important. Um, so yeah, the piano lesson. Actually, it was one of it was the first show that I remember seeing when I was like, I won't. Never mind. I won't tell you how old I was, but it was like 1990, so <laughs> some 30 years ago, uh, and and uh, had really legendary actors. There's one from the one guy from Baltimore. I'm sorry, I can't remember his name. Charles Rock Dutton was that's he in it? it. Rock Dutton. That's right. Charles Rock Dutton. He was in it. Um, I think he he had that lead role, if I'm not mistaken. Um, anyway, so I. I that was the first play that I remember seeing in New York City as a young kid, and then I saw it again. Just it's on Broadway now? It's on Broadway now. Um, August Wilson's The Piano Lesson. August Wilson just has a, a phenomenal character development. And, and I want to get more into August Wilson, but who are the actors in The Piano Lesson this time on I said Broadway? John David Washington, um, Danielle Brooks, Samuel L. Jackson. Um, there's some people who I, whose name I should know, but I don't. Um, but but phenomenal, phenomenal acting on just... And you definitely, know, and if you ever get a chance to see an August Wilson play, I say go for it. Definitely. Um, I grew up, I saw three of them in Baltimore growing up. I think I saw Jitney, Two Trains Running, and Fences, um, which is, of course, now a, a well-known movie. Yeah, so you um, got to get out there and see the piano lesson. But the, uh, the, the play that I saw recently that, um, you know, uh, that I really appreciated uh, is uh, Death of a Salesman, just a classic play. But being able mm -hmm. to see Wendell Pierce, who's an actor from New Orleans who played on The Wire, so... Um, think has a deep appreciation uh, and love for Baltimore and we you know Baltimore has always loved him back um, so so great to be able to see him live the way he commands a stage um, in that performance also I think there was elements that I thought of psychosis that the the way that they use light and sound um, was yeah. really kind of impressive so anyway we live in the capital of, of theater uh, definitely in the country that the hemisphere probably if not the world so being able to appreciate that definitely and you know if you can go up to the TKTS counter and find some discounted tickets that's definitely worthwhile for sure same day tickets and and you know you you get to to have a little escape um recommend it i recommend it so yeah actually now that you mentioned that i'd, I'd forgotten that aspect of death of the salesman there's a and it's, it's a major aspect um it, there's a big mental health component there and i wonder how much that has to do with kind of like the climate that we're living in and how much people want to talk about mental health mental wellness mental illness um, you know, wellness has been around for a minute, but it's the illness part that people still kind of get a little bit, start stammering about. Um, you know, the stigma is real, but you got to, you know, we have to talk about wellness because there is illness, right? So if we're talking preventively, we're talking about, you know, avoiding illness. And, and even if that's through wellness, we kind of have to acknowledge the thing that we're really trying to, to you know, stave off. Um so yeah, in Death of a Salesman, there's definitely that component of, of mental illness. In in the piano lesson that I mentioned before, a lot of family dynamics, uh, things about intergenerational, very very strong intergenerational trauma elements, and and they don't necessarily call the thing what it is, but you can see it. It, it the way it plays out between the characters is 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 high key in this in this play. And like, so I was saying that August Wilson really has phenomenal character development. You know, it's 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 remarkable. I mean, you know. New York plays or New York City plays, they're, they're always, they're going to tend to be wonderful. But August Wilson as an author is just, 
an amazing, an amazing uh, character developing experience. And I second that recommendation. Um, so, and you know, this is what you're going to see on Trauma Code, and definitely if you have other uh, cultural experiences, uh, artists, authors, uh, albums, uh, visual art um, performances. Anything that you want to bring to our attention that maybe you want to share with our audience, definitely get at us through the WBAI.org website, or uh, you can find us on Twitter, uh, Trauma Code WBAI. You can email us at Trauma Code WBAI, dot, uh, rather, at gmail.com. Um, and so, you know, we're excited to bring that to you every, every week, and I, I really want to thank everyone who's taken the time uh, to listen to us. If uh, any, uh, you know, mom and dad, you know, anybody from work, anybody out there, friends and family uh, that hopped on to take a listen or that are going to listen to the podcast af- afterwards, we appreciate your support. Uh, definitely a child care. Uh, if you guys are listening, we appreciate you right now. Um, and I want to I have a, a whole list of thank yous that I want to make sure that I have to get through. Um, and uh, what I learned is uh, always start with my wife. Thank you, Dr. Cassandra Raphael. Uh, we're not going to talk about Welcome, it a lot, Dr. but we're married. Uh, this is my wife and life partner. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to, to work on this with me. I've so far had a lot of fun. It's been a good 45 minutes so far in the life of Trauma Code. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Um, you know, there's there's a lot to say, I think, in our respective fields. We've, in the past, we've, you know, incidentally shared patients, um, you know, Somebody got hurt. They'll call me. We're going to be have a compliant too. <laughs> we're right. we're going to be have a compliant. You know, no no name dropping. Um, but you know, I've I've been called to see some of your patients who you know whose whose injury has been somewhat suspicious or you know, or or you know, mental illness related. Um, and in that way, and and there's a lot more for us to be able to work on together and to kind of create a space for. And it. even professionally, probably, and I think in our shop, you know, there's more that we could do. We know patients can have post-traumatic stress disorder because we know they went through significant trauma. And as a discipline, we could probably be better at um, at leading a ther- you know, beginning a therapeutic relationship to deal with that. Probably better than than we have so far. And you know, we're trying to save somebody's life, get them on their feet if possible, get them out of the hospital, get them back to life. But um, we know there's going to be sequelae from that trauma that uh, is going to be long term. So we appreciate your work on that and have a lot of areas to collaborate. Um, and I also wanted to thank definitely uh, Programming Director Linda Perry, who gave uh, gave us this opportunity. Yeah, thank you for the microphone. <laughs> yes, thank you for the privilege of the microphone, uh, for sure. Uh, Mr. Reggie Johnson, who's a sound engineer, we really appreciate you making sure we're able to do this. Uh, Zane Elamine, uh, who uh, is uh, door, on the us. radio and WPFW, and uh, he was on that show was carried uh, in New York. Uh, for probably a, a half a year or a year, um, sort of an air voices program called Shai Wanana, meaning mint and tea, that gave me the opportunity to work on the radio and collaborate with him uh, and introduce me to the folks up here at WBAI. I appreciate that. Good friend Gaurav Madan, who also uh, co-produced episodes uh, at uh, WBAI with me. Oh, I've noted a big, a major climate activist that uh, hopefully will have some some words, some, some shared insight. We'll have him on the mic for sure. Yeah. Uh, Mom and Dad, if you're listening, thank you, as always, for everything. Uh, and Mother-in-law, Father-in-law, if you guys are there, we appreciate you. Yeah, hi, Mom and Dad. I hope you're listening. And, of course, we mentioned uh, Javier Irie uh, earlier on, the illustrator who also made our uh, logo. If you see that, um, I have to have him sign that so you can 
see his work, and we'll have to have him on the air uh, because he has a lot of, of interesting things to say in working with people using art to heal from uh, from psychiatric disease, but obviously trauma is a major part of that. Definitely. Shout out to Javier. Um, you know, I, I've co-created with Javier this, this mental health curriculum called The Facts on Feelings, and I remember I presented kind of like the summary of the work and, and how the students responded to kind of learning about mental health very specifically, like very depression symptoms and, and what treatment can be like or what treatment encompasses, anxiety, PTSD. Um, and and I, I remember when I gave this talk, kind of some, some, oh my God, summarizing the work, um, you know, some of the folks in the audience was like, how, how did you... How did you do this? And I was like, well, you got to work with somebody who's much cooler than you. So Javier is that person for me. I have, uh, you know, a lot of the facts on the feelings, but Javier comes with the, uh, the presentation, know, the presentation, the swagger. that's right. That's right. The swag of the swag of the whole thing. That That's all him. Um, and definitely for anyone, if you're listening, you ever collaborated on anything I did, Knife at the Gunfight, Trauma Cast, anything else, I appreciate you uh, working with me, building up the experience to be able to do this. Um, and, of course, as we mentioned before, this show is dedicated uh, to the life, the work, and the memory of Mikael Benjamin. Benjamin. Mika mm-hmm. Ben. Um, and I think if you have anything else to say to the audience. Thank you for having us. Thank you for, uh, you oh, know. And thank you, audience, for, uh, for tuning in. Hopefully we'll become uh, good friends over the radio. And I think we can close it out with that Aitise song that we mentioned from uh, Mikael Benjamin. Amen. Sleep in peace, Mika. Haïti, c'est belle la mer, c'est belle montagne, avec belle rivière, c'est belle plage à pied coucouillé, bel paysage à belle couleur. Haïti, c'est sans café, qu'à monter dans les le matin, c'est sans la rouge qui fait poser, pour fléchir et qu'à bougeonner. Haïti, c'est bassin blé, cascade pichon avec sodo, c'est Acadé, la citadelle, c'est la badia marigou. Haïti, c'est la vallée, c'est Porsali, Axabrico, c'est mon la selvic Macaya, c'est Mamlada, mon Bilbo. Haïti, son douce macos, c'est un point et pistage grillé. Son gicolé qui coube en force, son bouteille cola bien glacé. Haïti, son bon brio, son bon fritaille, son bon tasso, son bon légume avec cire, son bon diri avec la Haïti, son bon bouillon, son soujou, piment, son bon cassave avec mamba, quatre Haïti, son bon dombwe, mariné, non bon sauce, poisson, bois cochon, bon clé. Haïti, son bon café d'histoire.
belle musique, son bon à pied, son troubadou, son son kata cérémonie, on son kwashi, on son tambour. Haïti, c'était au goût, c'était un set qui était pour nous, c'est là l'esclavage taboli, sont tes libertés à Kodou. Haïti, c'est festival, c'est tisourit, c'est fête champette, c'est animation dans carnaval, c'est un tisilé pas j'en Haïti, son bon basic, son domino, son bon 3-7, son réveillon, côté qui gagne bouillon, c'est la gagne qui tête. Haïti, c'est un combi de pays, un cap sec, les lapins, c'est un machin, un cap descend, un yalgoumé à la vie Haïti, c'est un cap répété, un bel avenir, c'est l'origol, la cap descend, pas qu'on côté le bras la Haïti, c'est un bâton, un défi après 12 janvier, c'est la boucle, un mauvais sang, chaque jour, il la plus fine tombée. Haïti, c'est sous béton pour qu'on la vraie réalité. C'est une qui triste, mais grâce à Dieu, c'est pas l'issement Haïti, j'ai jamais 